Gospel Message, Week 111, Walk in Newness of Life. In the book of Romans, chapter 6, the Apostle Paul says something to the Romans. He says from verse 3, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ are baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. This term, newness of life, has been coming to me over and over and over again in the past couple of weeks, and I knew where it came from, I knew where it was referenced, but I wasn't sure what the Lord was trying to say to me because he just kept on bringing it to my remembrance. And in the past week, I've been doing a lot of reading on the Holy Spirit, and instantly he connected me back to this verse and what he revealed to me, um, I just found interesting, really mind-blowing, actually. But the key thing in this passage that I read just now, you know, as far as dying with Christ and then being risen again in Christ, you know, which is the whole concept of, quote-unquote, being born again. You know, we die to our old life and we are risen to a new life in Christ. And a lot of teaching in in Christianity, especially with regards to the Christian walk, I can't really speak for a lot of people, but I, I can speak for myself. And I just found that sometimes in our in our zeal, you know, to live a godly life, in our zeal to, you know, walk in Christ, I find that sometimes some of us are drawn into this difficult life. And I'll use the word difficult because we find that a lot of it we try to do in our own strength. And if we look at the words that are used, that the Apostle Paul uses, which are the same words that Christ himself used, we come to realize, or the Holy Spirit now shows us that, you know, we, we receive the word wrong. I don't know if it's because of our particular natures or because it's taught that way. I really don't know. But Jesus Christ does not ask us to do a lot of things that we humans ask ourselves to do. You know, when we, we say this thing about being born again, we forget the common sense fact of, you know, birth is not of my doing. I... Even in this, my natural life, I did not birth myself. I was birthed into this world. I learned things as I went along, but I did not bring myself into being. And that goes the same way for new birth or new life in Christ. You know, it is not done by our own power. We have to desire it. We have to want that it happen. But sometimes we just take away from God what God has left for himself, for his son, and for his Holy Spirit to do. This passage that I just read, in, in that verse 4, it says, Therefore, 
we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, you know, he was raised by the glory of the Father. It wasn't even in his own strength. There was a process already set to place when it came to sin and new life or sin and now sinlessness, the new life of sinlessness. Christ had to die in the flesh so that the Father could raise him again. And the reason I, I, I just wanted to put it in those terms is because what we want to do, we often try to do in our own strength. But the Bible tells us over and over and over again, if we're really paying attention, that you can't do it in your own strength. And that's why if we go into Romans chapter 7, that entire chapter is about the things that I want to do, the good things that I want to do, but yet the sin living within me not allowing me to do those things. And that chapter concludes by who can save me from this body of flesh? Who can save me Save me from this lawlessness? Oh, wretched man that I am, who can save me? And then the very last verse says, I thank God through Christ Jesus, our Lord, because it is in him that we are saved. Last week, um, either last week or two weeks ago, but in one of the earliest earlier gospel messages, I referenced the passage of the, the rich young ruler and how he came to Christ asking how can he have eternal life and then Christ listed the commandments to him and he now said oh these I have done from my youth and then Christ now said okay if you now want to be perfect and I'm referencing the the account of this in Matthew chapter 19 and that is from verse 21 Jesus said unto him if thou will be perfect go and sell all that thou hast and give to the poor, that thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. And of course, in the subsequent verses, it tells us how the man went away sad because he had many possessions. And then in verse 23, Jesus said to his disciples, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, who then can be saved? Bringing us right back to Romans 13. And it is amazing how the word of God is not arbitrary. It's not even standalone. It connects from one reference to another. This is the conversation, conversation that Jesus had with his disciples. And then full fast forward to after Jesus is gone and the Apostle Paul is talking in Romans 7. Exact same message. Who then can be saved? And, and we took it as... Or rather, we know it is either being attached to wealth or being attached to something that we are just naturally attached to. And look at the parable that Jesus uses, a camel passing through the eye of a needle. I don't care how big that needle is. It is virtually, literally impossible for a camel to pass through it. So, of course, it is a hopeless situation. It's hopeless. This 
situation of we being detached from those possessions, those worldly natural things that possess our souls, this life of sin that we were born into. And we spend our whole life even perfecting and sometimes polishing to not make it look like a life of sin, but it is still flesh-based. Squeaky clean flesh-based is still flesh-based. And so it is literally impossible for me to detach myself from this life of sin. It was literally impossible for that rich man to give up his worldly riches. It was impossible. But Jesus said then, as he said through the Apostle Paul to the Romans, he said, but with God, all things are possible. At the end of Romans, says he, uh, Romans 7, he says, thank God for Jesus Christ because he can deliver us from this life of sin. He can cause us to now be able to go and sell those worldly possessions, whatever they happen to be in our individual lives. It is only in Christ Jesus that we can be separated from them. And who is the person of Christ Jesus that we have today? It is the Holy Spirit. And we have this Holy Spirit, this comforter. Think of his name, the comforter. The rich young man went away sad. That's what these Bible references tell us. He was sad. What did he need at that time? He needed hope. Who do we have today to give us hope? The Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? And we come as Christians into this new life in Christ and we continue to live as that rich man by keeping the commandments that we can keep of our own natural ability. But yet when Christ poses something that is his word, that is his will, and he's saying, if we will be perfect, detach from this worldliness that you know, that is the only thing that you know, give it up. Die to yourself. Die to everything you know, even if it is good. And you say, how is that even possible? I can't even fathom that. I can't even imagine that. And he says, I can show you how. I can do it for you. I'm not asking you to do it. I'm asking you to come to me wanting to do it, and I will help you do it. And this is the job of the Holy Spirit. It is only the Holy Spirit that can do what we're being asked to do in Romans chapter 6, which is walk in newness of life. No one except the Holy Spirit can help us to do this. And in Zechariah chapter 4, you know, when um, the Bible is telling us about Zerubbabel, who was building the house of the Lord at that time, and, and, and it was a humongous task, and there were so many obstacles in front of him. And in verse 6 of that Zechariah chapter 4, it reads, Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the angel that was sent unto him. He says, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, not by power, but by 
by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Once again, the Lord giving us comfort, the Lord giving us assurance that the thing that he is asking us to do, it seems like an impossible thing. And in our flesh, in our natural self, our natural thinking, our natural understanding, in the whole composition of man as we know it, it is impossible. But in him, it is possible. And in that verse 7 of the Zechariah 4, he says, Who art thou? O great mountain before Zerubbabel, thou shalt become a plain. Whatever is the obstacle in front of us, whatever is that thing that is looking so impossible, our Lord is telling us today, now that Christ has come and he has died and he has resurrected and it is his requirement of us too that we shall die to sin and now be raised again in the power of his resurrection and we are raised again not by our power but by the power of God raised in his glory. So what is that mountain? The mountain is nothing. For us, the mountain is huge. But for God, there is no mountain. And that's why in also the Gospels in Mark, I'm going to reference this, um, this sighting of it. When the Lord again talks about yet another mountain in Mark 11, verse 23, it reads, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe all those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatever he saith. Again, this mountain, this mountain of obstacle, this mountain of doubt, this mountain of impossibility in God, in Christ, in the Holy Spirit, the mountain does not exist. It shall become a plain as if it was never there. In my capacity, it is impossible. But in God's capacity, it is more than possible. This is what his word says. So when we find ourselves struggling, and that's always the operative word, struggling. Remember, when Christ died to sin, he said, I have overcome the world. So everything that has to do with bondage to the flesh, everything that has to do with having to live under the law, he abolished with his death. And when he was now raised in the glory of God, he was raised in the glory of God so that we can now serve him in the newness of life, walk in the newness of his life. We have the Holy Spirit to get us through everything. If only we will receive him. If only we will walk in him. Let us remember what Romans chapter 8 says. He says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who 
who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And this is the King James Version that makes this distinction in verse 1. I think it's the only translation that actually points this out. Because there are many of us who are in Christ Jesus who still walk after the flesh. We still struggle with sin. We still struggle with bondage. We still struggle with strongholds. We struggle with fear. We struggle with anxiety. We struggle with oppression. We struggle with addictions. We struggle with so many things that we no longer have to struggle with. This condemnation is only for those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Verse 4 of that same Romans 8, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Verse 8, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but ye are not in the flesh, verse 9, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. How clear this scripture is. How liberating this scripture is. I no longer have to do it. It is the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ that will do it if I will receive this Spirit and walk in this Spirit. This is the newness of life that the Lord wants us to walk in. Because if we are buried by Him in baptism, meaning we have taken on the life of Christ, dying to sin, and being resurrected into new life, and we are resurrected into that new life by the glory of the Father as Christ was, even so now, we have to now walk in that newness of life, guided by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ in the person of the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is real. He is the third part of the Trinity, and his sole purpose, sole purpose, is to dwell in us. And if we go back to John chapter 14, chapter 15, chapter 16, we will see all the references that Christ made with regards to the Holy Spirit. He says, if I don't go up to my Father, I cannot send the Comforter to you. So Christ was almost in a hurry to ascend so he could send us this Comforter, this Holy Spirit, so that we would not be alone so that we would not have to do it alone. We would not have to do it on our own. Because here's the reality. We can't. In this body of flesh, we can't. But even though we are housed in a flesh and blood body, the life that we live is not in the flesh. I have been crucified with Christ, and yet I live. Not I but Christ who lives within me. And this life I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who died and gave his life for me. This is the promise. This is also the manifestation. So if you are tired of struggling with sin, if you are tired of struggling with 
one foot in and one foot out, two steps forward and three steps backward, if you are tired of living lukewarm Christianity, if you are tired of crackers and cheese, sparse living Christianity, and are ready to enter into the fullness of the promise of the Holy Spirit, then you have to reach out and ask God to give you his Holy Spirit that the promise of the Holy Spirit be made manifest in your life. There is liberty in Christ Jesus. There is liberty in walking in the Spirit of Christ. There is a fullness there. There is a promise there. And there is a huge manifestation there. And if we say we are born again, it is the only way we can live. There is no other way. Otherwise, we will be walking after the flesh. But that condemnation, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So the question we have to ask ourselves as we are going into a new year, a new physical year, do we want to go in the same person we are today? Or do we really want to enter into the fullness of the manifestation of what it means to be born again in Christ? I don't know about you, but I know I'm ready. I am tired of living in bondage. And it's my prayer for myself and for you that we may all enter into the fullness of the manifestation of God's Holy Spirit. And that we may all walk in the newness of his life. And may we continue to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen in Jesus' name.